Hey everyone, I'm Gracie. Welcome to the Grace of Military Child podcast. The world should know how unique military children are. We may look like normal children on the outside, but we go through some pretty extraordinary circumstances that shape us to the leaders we are today. Keep listening to hear the incredible journey this week's guest has been on. So hi, Charmaine. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Gracie? I'm doing good. Thank you for being on. Thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited. Yes. So tell me a little bit of backstory about your parent who served and kind of what it was like growing up as a military child. My father served. And from the moment I was born, like I was born a military brat. Where There's four of us and we're all born in different corners of the world. Yeah. And I was literally born, uh, you know, just kind of like on a visit to see family in San Diego. And then we went back to England after that. Wow. So I've literally spent most of my life in Europe and in the Middle East, traveled quite a bit. I know they say most military kids travel between eight to 10 times between what birth and graduation. We actually did that. So that statistic is very, very true. Yeah. And just in my many travels, I learned a lot of things, picked up some great friends across the world. You kind of have an aunt and an uncle everywhere. And you learn to appreciate the differences that we all have. And, some, you know, you learn some great languages, some great food you get to taste and just have some experiences that most people think. They're like, what? You've, you've done that? And it's like, yeah, we used to do that all the time. And it's just some really cool but different experiences because of the lifestyle. Yeah. So what is it like spending, you know, not many military children, not many children in general get to, you know, at least American children get to grow up and spend most of their time in another country. So what is that like? Um, it was normal to me, right? So uh, yeah, what some people consider as normal is just living one place your entire life. Same friends, right? You know, same school, same house your entire life. But what was normal for us was moving every two to three years, sometimes every year. It was one year when I think I was at three different schools in one year, two different countries. It was, it, was a, it was a lot happening, right? Just in between when you get an order. It was pretty normal yeah. for me. And what it's like, it's just, you just accept change and you roll with it. So you find moments that are great and other moments you just find ways to get past that. But it's all I've ever known. Yeah. Do you have like a running list of where you've lived, what countries you've lived in and been to? Oh, yeah. So I've, I've, I've traveled to many, many countries. So one great side effect of growing up in the military community is that you love traveling. I love traveling. Yeah. Like I want to try a new place. I don't mind picking up a dictionary and trying to learn some basic words so I can at least figure out how to change my money, get some food, test out some cool sites and speak to some of the locals, not the tourist places I want to be among the people. And let's say I've been to Italy, Germany, Turkey, England, the U.S. Those are places that I've lived. Yeah, Italy, Germany. Yeah. But I have traveled through most of Europe. I've traveled through many of the Caribbean islands. I've traveled to the Far East and China and Japan and just really just try something different. So I'm always about like, where are we going next? What's the new adventure? Who wants to go somewhere? I'm like, oh, you want, well, pre-COVID. I'm like, you want to go to Japan? Let's yeah. go. I was like, I got a friend yeah. there who, you know, someone that you know that you grew up with probably got stationed there now or perhaps they moved and just um, found a position. I'm like, okay, hey, so-and-so, how are you? I'm going to be yeah. in the city or in your country. Can we connect? How far are you from? And I'll name the international airport. Yeah. And that's a nice thing about, you know, growing up military or being in the military, like even if you didn't grow up, but you're a spouse or a service member, you have friends and, you know, we consider many of our friends to be close family, like all over the world, all over the country. So when you go somewhere, you always have friends to see, you always have somewhere to stay. Like it's not it's not like this tourist thing where you have to, you know, stay in a hotel. <laughs> like you have to re do all the research yourself. Like you can actually immerse yourself more in the culture because you have friends or family that have been there or are there and they can tell you like what to do where, you know, tourists won't think of going. That's true. I love the best part of not just going to the tourist attraction. I want to yes. see like what's fun around, what's 
do outside of what, you know, the, the newspaper or online is saying to do in that area. So we're in Paris. Yeah, I can see the Louvre. Yes, I can see, you know, Mona Lisa. Those are great. Those are great attractions that everyone comes to see. But I want to go through the Lock Bridge. I want to go yeah. and I want to look at some of the different museums. I want to go to Amsterdam and look at Rembrandt's house or the STEM museum there because most people don't know you know, that's not listed as an attraction. So like you say, you want to find cool things that are exciting, that are safe and try out different foods because someone's already there who's experienced that place. I'm like, hey, like a sponsor. They'll say, hey, well, what's cool yeah. here? What can I do? What's different? You know, um, show me around a little bit and then I'll find my own way. So you get, like you said, you get to have friends and family of all cultures, all races, all backgrounds in different places mm-hmm. and they are the family that you weren't born into, but that's just as much family because you you go through the same things together. Yeah, and that's something that's so special about the military community. And, like, you know, I haven't met so many people, but, like, doing this podcast, like, I'm able to have conversations with other people because we just connect on a different level. You know, we grew up a completely different way you know I haven't lived overseas but like we grew up living the same military life that it's like you know we understand each other in different ways but we understand the military life yeah and see I spent very little time in the U.S. I'm like wow that's I'm like you only had to speak one language really (laughs) (laughs) I'm like what was that like so yeah when you move a lot overseas you know there's something we have on base in the schools called host nation where you learn the customs the food the language of the people so that you can blend in because part of your job as a military child is blending in you don't want to stand out for the wrong reasons like being very loud if people celebrate over you don't go on the street you're not very loud overseas like that is not the norm so you don't want to stand out for the wrong thing you do as they do you shop as they shop you speak the language and fit in in that class called host nation you know, you're learning the language. And it's, yeah. so you get a second language from the moment you're over there. So when we were in what, I think it was what, in first grade and second grade in Turkey, you're learning the language. You're learning Yamish Numeral, Mehaba, Nasusun. You're learning all of this and it's becoming second nature to you. Right. To have friends that are of that culture. And so I know if I go back to Izmir, I can call Surat as a friend of mine from many years ago because we keep up. Yeah, I haven't seen her in a very long time, but I would be very excited to meet her family, to say hello, to go and look at my old house. And like you're saying, just have those connections again, because you had very different experiences, but something connects you and you wouldn't have these friends otherwise. Yeah. What is it like, you know, because you've lived in so many different countries, how many languages did you learn and how hard is it to learn, you know, tons of different languages when you kind of really only think about growing up learning one language? Um, it becomes very natural while you're younger. So if you think of yeah. it, in many countries, children learn a second language from birth. Right. You know, they're learning it as soon as they enter school at three, four, five years old. So for us, my first, second language, I was looking at this at five, you know, and so it became very natural to speak Turkish. You right. can't, you know, you get a little pocket dictionary. You think you're doing something cool because you can go to the store by yourself. <laughs> it's like less than a block away. They're watching you, but, you know, you feel like an adult. Yeah. So you start to learn languages and it gives you a sense of independence, freedom, and you feel like an adult because you can speak the language of other adults around you. So I would say many of the kids embrace the languages. The younger you are, you're embracing more. So I speak English, Italian, German, Turkish, a little French, um, Spanish as well. Spanish and Italian are very close. Right. English. And then as I go different places, I want to learn. So when we spent a month in China, like just traveling, my sister was teaching at a college there. So when I went, I was like, I'm going to learn some Mandarin while I'm here. So I learned some things and just really immersed myself in it. Am I fluent in Mandarin? No, right? But I could haggle something in the market. Yeah. I can order some food, say hello, um, ask for the emergency services, things that you need to know. So um, the younger you are when you're exposed to languages is the better it is. And children really feel um, a sense of pride in doing something that most adults are not doing in this country. 
Yeah. And, you know, I started kind of learning a little bit of Spanish when I was younger, you know, mainly through Dora the Explorer. Like, that's how I learned. But, you know, once I got to middle school and high school, they're like, you need to take a language. And I'm like, okay, I'll take Spanish. Like, I already know, like, how to count to 10 and colors and whatever. I knew, like, the very, very minimal. And then, you know, I was 13 and I was like, this is so cool. This is so interesting. But I can't remember any of it. Like, because I was older. And, you know, it makes that difference from being five years old to being 13 years old and learning a new language because you really have to put in the extra effort to study it and to learn it because you don't know it. And it's a whole new language that you're learning. Yeah. So think about all the people that that moved to the U.S., right? And I, when I hear somebody speaking in a foreign accent, I think that person is so brave. They're resilient. Yeah. They're, they're amazing because they are learning another language many times as an adult and trying to take care of their family here. And it's not easy to learn a second language or third, fourth, fifth language. And like we did that over the years. So I appreciate when I hear someone speaking and you can tell that their um, their native language is from somewhere else. Right. And so when you know a little Italian and you speak to them in Italian, it, it warms their heart because they see you trying and yeah. yours is broken. My time's kind of broken now. And their English is broken, but we have a friendship because they see my bravery and I see theirs because we're both trying to learn something new. So I have to say, I, I taught seventh grade for a couple of years and most of my students, English was their second language. So the parents are coming in the meetings and uh, a lot of the parents were Spanish, a lot of them um, Indian. And so they're trying to speak English to me. And I'm like, well, I remember my Spanish. Let me brush up on my Spanish. So I can right. speak to them in their native language and they were so appreciative. Just imagine trying to talk about your kid to a teacher in a foreign language. That's very scary and it's hard for us to learn, but they're brave enough to try it, to learn it and to work in a country with another language. It's the same thing we did. It's just, exactly. you know, they actually have to like take care of somebody. I just had to like survive, you know, not get into trouble, <laughs> survive, <Yeah. laughs> blend in, um, which is a lot for a kid, but. I mean, you know, the, the threshold's a lot lower. It's less stress instead right. of working in another country and trying to figure that out. But this is how, like, you know, the military kind of shapes, you know, the children, the spouses, the service members. And it shapes us to be more accepting of other people, be more appreciative of their trying, you know. It may be hard. It may not be, you know, the wrong words may come out, but... You know, it's they're trying, you're putting in that effort and we're able to connect with them because we're like, OK, you know, again, I haven't lived outside of the country, but I lived in Texas and I live now in Florida and I was born in Ohio. So it's like three different, you know, completely different states. So it's like you have to learn the culture and then learn the culture when you move again. And so it's like seeing those people where it's like, OK, you're not from here, but you're learning how to be from here. And how to blend in and how to, you know, immerse yourself in the area that you're in, the culture that you're in. And so we're just more accepting of that now because we've been there. We've done that. We've done the moves. We've done the transitions. And we know how hard it is. That's so true. Um, I think you said we have a deep appreciation for other people. And so you and I don't have the same background, don't look the same, not the same age, but we can... Just like that, make a connection because we both have lived through multiple homes, through different transitions as a result of the military, right? Whoever serves, it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, we've had some of the same experiences. And that's one thing I do love about being a part of the military community. Even though I'm older now, you can see someone and say, you know, hey, I, I love that about you. Can you tell me a little bit more? Oh, you say your grandma's from the Philippines. I know a few words in Tadal. Can you teach me something else? And there's just this curiosity that we have and a respect for other people that I typically don't see in the civilian world. Like many people are very much separate based off of who looks like them, who believes like them, and that's their business. They can do that. But for me, I want to keep friends around me and always make new connections with people that don't look like me, that don't have the same experience. 
so that we can keep learning and growing. That's really important to me. Yeah, and that's a huge benefit of social media now because, you know, when I moved, even in 2014, I moved to Florida. My dad retired and we moved to Florida. And so social media wasn't like a huge deal. Like it was just coming out. Like my parents had Facebook. You know, I had a couple friends who had Instagram. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't even have a phone really. And so like it's hard to keep in touch at those times. But then as social media grew, it's so easy to just go on and find your friends. If you remember their name and you kind of remember what they look like, it's so easy to just like go on and say, hey, where's this friend? And you can find them. Like it's so easy to do that and so easy to, you know, more or less remake those connections that you kind of forgot about. That's so true. Um, before, before that, you know, because I was part of the first Facebook group as well. Right? I was in college at the time Facebook started. So it was the Facebook, and you could only have an account if you were part of certain colleges. Our college was part of that. But even before that, when we moved, you'd write letters yeah. to your teacher because you didn't know all the classmates' names. You couldn't, you, sometimes you forget because it's information overload, right? right? New language, new everything you're trying to figure out. What is the money called here? Okay, yeah, <laughs> is my stuff coming? All of the things that go with PCSing. And you move, so you might send one letter or two letters to your teacher. And you say, hey, can you send it to so-and-so? Can you connect with so-and-so? Because you forgot to get their address or you lost it in one of those boxes because that happens a lot. It does. And you and you miss out on connecting with them because, you know, life happens with the mail and stuff. But now I can go on and I can look at, like, all of the people who went to Linwood Elementary School in Warner Robins, Georgia, the one year I went there, I think, yeah, it was just one year I was there. And I was like, hey, I was looking for this person there. And people were like, what class were you? I was like, oh my God, what were you? What year was this? <laughs> I go back in my mind, like, okay, it was this year. And I was in, oh yeah, her name was Miss O'Mara, her class. Yeah. And someone connected with me on Facebook and said, oh, I remember you. They, they found a yearbook, posted the photos. And I was like, oh, my God, that's me. You know, you think you're cute with a little choker on your neck. <laughs> Everybody went through that phase of wet hair and wearing chokers. But, um, and connected. And then I got to connect with friends from fourth grade that I lost touch with. It's not that we weren't friends. Yeah. It's just life happens and sometimes you lose touch. And it was so cool. I was like, that was my real friend. I remember the time they rode me on their handlebars to school, you know, the handlebars <laughs> of the bike. And yeah. moments like that, you can reconnect because of social media. If it wasn't there, those connections just wouldn't exist because how in the world am I going to know to get in touch with this person who's now married with kids, who's, her name has changed, you live in a different state. Like our worlds don't cross anymore. And so that's the beauty of social media. You can find your audience, connect with those individuals. And now you've got a whole community of people. Like we found a whole military brat Facebook group, thousands of people that are now reconnecting based off of the yearbooks and tagging people. Oh, I remember so-and-so. And we literally tagged each other until we found our class. Wow. I mean, who that's that? crazy. It was so cool. I was like, I remember you. I was like, you were the kid who was always in trouble, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is. And yeah. you remember like, oh, you have these Harry Potter glasses. I'm like, I love my Harry Potter glasses. But at least you're able to make those connections, like you said, because of social media. So it makes the world feel a lot smaller than yeah. it did before. And so more people were able to feel heard and seen. Again, by like an avatar, you don't even know if that's the real person, but you feel heard and seen, and that's important. Right. And even like without social media, like taking that away, it's like you can so easily be like, okay, I'm moving to this base, I'm moving to this state, to this country, to this town, whatever, you know, this specific place you're moving is. Do you know anyone there? And you can just ask a group of people that. And 
you know, it probably is easier with social media too, but like you can just ask a group of people, say, hey, have you even been here? Again, back with the traveling, seeing those places, getting those, you know, one of the things that we love doing is finding little restaurants that nobody knows about. Like we don't want to go to Olive Garden or, you know, Applebee's or things like that, even though they are good sometimes, like, you know, they are still good. But, you know, we'd rather go to those little places that, you know, they're small businesses. Nobody knows about as much. And so you're able to make those connections and be like, okay, well, I don't know you, but you just lived here and your friend lives there still. And like, we can connect that way. Yeah. Cause the world is so much smaller. Like I remember seeing, um, again, you didn't, it didn't have those connections, right? So you just don't know where these people ended up, but you were friends and you're always friends until something goes wrong. So like, you're, just, right. you're still friends. And I'm like playing volleyball and I'm on one side of the net because I'm the setter. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And I'm looking across (laughs) and I'm like, I know her. Like we went to school together and now you're, you're in different, like this is when I was in Germany and she was in Belgium. And I'm just like, but this is a friend that I had. We lived somewhere else in the world together in the same class. And I was like, hey, and then you have to put your game face on because you want to beat them, right? Right. Yes. It's so different and how, you know, the the world is so small to begin with. Like there's billions of people on this earth, but it's so, it feels so small. And then the military community is a whole nother world and it feels so much smaller and there, you can easily make connections. You can, you know, it's just so much simpler. Yeah. I think of myself as like now as I'm older, kind of closing the gap between what people outside of the military world know about military. People go, oh, your dad kills people? First of all, don't, you know, like, it's like, don't ask that. It's like, it depends on what's happening, you know, if you've got to do that. Depends kind of on the MOS. Right. Yeah. And it's like, mm, don't really want to tell you that. I'm just like, nah, let's not. Like, let me tell you some other things, right? So yeah. I, I, what I do like about being an author is that I can create resources to help people outside of the community have more empathy. They can yeah. understand more about your experience or mine. And they go, oh, they don't get it all, but they understand a little bit more of what not to ask. Like, don't ask people, where are you from? Yeah, that's the hardest question to answer. You want the short version or the long version? <laughs> if you're saying based off of where I've lived the longest, are you saying where I was born? We're talking to a different country. Like, what is it you're actually asking me? So I'm kind of training people to say, hey, once you ask them where feels like home, yeah, that's a better way, easier ask. And then all of us will probably see the last place you were, right? Because that felt like home before you moved. But to say where are you from, it's like Ugh. so. You know, just creating different things to bridge the gap. I think they call us third culture kids. I heard that term. I've and heard like, that before Whoa. too, and yeah. I saw it on Instagram. I think someone like commented on one of the posts or whatever and it was third culture kids and I was like huh that's interesting and I had to like research it and figure out what it was and I was like I mean military kids kind of fit that because we're not really from anywhere I mean you know my dad was reserved so we didn't move around as much but I've still lived in three different places it's hard to you know where home changes every day you know home is you know where I go to bed at night, home is where my family is, and so that's Florida. But Ohio, you know, I lived there for nine years, my first nine years of life. So that's like so much nostalgia is there. And so it just feels homey. And then Texas is just – Texas is different. Like if you've never been to Texas, you need to go. Like it just feels like home. It. It's different. It is. And it's incredible. And I loved Texas. So Texas has, you know, some home in it too. So it's just so hard to, you know, it changes on the daily basis. It's hard to pick one place. Yeah. Um, so it, for those listening, if you don't know what a third culture, what third culture is, just picture this. Um, you're from, your parents are from one place. You've lived somewhere else. And the way I describe it is that a little piece of you is in every place you've ever lived, every house that you called home. And that's third culture. You're not one culture or the other. You're not from anywhere. It's just a little piece of your heart belongs to every place. 
And there are many kids like that, right? Not just military connected, right. those that are in the foster care system and um, kids that are children of immigrants or migrants because where they felt like home is a little bit different and they're constantly relocating. And so what I like to tell people is that I'm from everywhere. And if you, if you really want to know, I can tell you my story. But if you just want the short version, I'm just going to say, I'm from everywhere. <laughs> well, how many languages do you speak? I'm like, mm, you talking about fluently or just like a little bit. So yeah. I would tell people like, when you're asking a question of someone, you don't know their background, just ask them where it feels like home. Yeah. And that is, it's much more of like a broad question to ask because it's not doing the short answer. It's not doing the long answer. It's doing whatever feels more like home and that you know it's such an easier question to answer because that first place you will come to your mind and you're like oh that's home like that's where I felt the most comfortable that's where you know I had the most experiences that's where you know I grew up some people will even say that's where I graduated high school like and that's home yeah it it just depends right where they're where they consider home so so to say you know and then, like, even answering that question depends on how much I know you, how how well I trust you. Exactly. And, you know, thinking of good object, right? Making sure that you're keeping some information secure and not sharing too much about yourself. I'll sit and listen to what other people are saying in the circle. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, okay, they're just talking about, they're talking about locally. They're all from the same city. So I hear people talk about zones and what neighborhood they're from. And in my mind, I'm like, what? <laughs> it's not my experience. Like what yeah. high school they went to in the same city. Cause they're all from here. And I'll just like, Oh, you know, we, we moved a lot. And I just leave it there. I'm going, okay. I'm talking to a group of people that are all very familiar with a 20 mile radius. Yeah. And so when you say something like, Oh, it's been a high school. I'm like, Oh, I went to Wiesbaden and Jeremy. And you get the response of, can I drive there? <laughs> you laugh to yourself, but then you, you say, Okay, so there's a disconnect in yeah. terms of a worldview. And so I, I have to constantly tell myself, everybody's not thinking on the global scale like we are. For some people, their entire world is based off of 20 miles or just the neighborhood they're in. And that's their reality. So I like to open them up to the world. And so with this book, I move a lot and that's okay. I try to show them one adventure of leaving Georgia and going all the way to Southern Italy. And they're going to practice some Italian. They're going to realize there's sulfur in the air and there's volcanoes there. And people are going, what? And I'm like, yeah, the base is not too far from where one of the volcanoes are. And they're like, huh? And just kind of really opening their world because our world is like the entire state. Yeah. And for someone else, it's just one little pocket. And they don't realize their world is small until we open it. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, sometimes it's like, are you... I mean, again, going back to that, how much am I going to share? It's like, are you going to be appreciative of my story and my, the, you know, what I've been through? Or are you just going to be like, you know, and brush it off? It, like, that's how much I'll tell you then. Like, if you're going to be appreciative of it, then, you know, I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you, you know, my story. I'll lay it out to you. But then it's like, if you are just going to be like, oh, cool, and move on. Then it's like, is it really worth my time? And that's sad to think about because it's like, you know, your story is special to you and everyone is that way. Your story is special. Um, But like, it's just that, you know, again, like a disconnect between military children and the rest of the community of our journeys and what we've been through. That's true. You want to, I always wonder how invested I should be in these new conversations. Yeah. Or people think you're snobbish. Yeah, I I know. (laughs) And it's like, I'm really not being a snob. Like we actually went to Garmisch and with, you know, like the holidays to live in Germany. It's like a short drive. It's not, oh, you know, are you going to be appreciative? I love that, you know, because everybody's story deserves to be honored. And so when I get the, oh, Oh, really? Oh, I would never. I would never exactly. go to Turkey. And then I'll I'll let people know that um, the people in Turkey are a wonderful group. They they're accepting. They're kind. They just want to hug you in the street. They'll kiss each other on the neck as a greeting. 
and people just want to feed you. Not what you think you see about other cultures on the news. I was like, keep in mind, that's just one view of it. And I can only imagine what people are seeing about the U.S. on the news and other places. I know. Gloom and doom is kind of what you, whatever you uh, paint it. And so I'll let people know, like, when we lived there, people were kind to us. People were nothing but good to us in every place that I've lived in. Of course, there's bad apples everywhere, including in the U.S. Right. But I've had nothing, for the most part, but great experiences. So I'm like, hey, you know, take it easy on them. Like, all people aren't bad, but there are good and bad in every group. And so if you're going to judge the entire group based off of one person that you see in the news that looks like that, that's a sad reality. Like you said, how, how much are you going to dismiss it? Or are you really going to honor the experience? Yeah. And it's sad, like, you know, using Turkey as an example, like moving back to the United States and then being like, yeah, I lived in Turkey and someone being like, you know, dismissive of that. That's like disrespectful to the people of Turkey. That's disrespectful to the people who've been there, to the people who've, who've experienced it. it. It's hurtful. Yeah, and it's home for you, right? Yeah. It was my it was my home at one point. And then you hear that and you go, Oh, okay. Well, I, you know, you try to explain like it's not it, like it's wonderful. At one yeah. point Izmir was uh the center of the world. And they're like, What? I'm like, Yeah, you have to and it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Let me sit here and just smile and nod. They don't want to really honor my experience in the way that others would who are connected like we are. I'll tell them the gold markets and how you can see the beautiful Turkish rugs and the, every place is so much more than what we want it to be. But if we say that's all for me, then you lose out on a great experience in any city of the world. It could be in the U.S. only, like your experience of just living in three cities. That's still important, though, and it's going to shape who you are 20, 30 years from now. And you're going to remember when you go back to those places, the smells and the sights and the feelings. Because a little piece of you will remain in Florida and Ohio and Texas, yeah. no matter where you go in the world. Exactly. And like, um, so we took a trip over to Scotland one year. Um, and so we got to go and experience that. And it was incredible. But for the first, we went there for about a week. And for the first couple of days, it took me about two or three days probably to actually be happy that I'm there because I was so upset. Normally during um, that time frame, we'd go to D.C. and we'd do the Army 10 miler. And my parents told us, they were like, we're going to Scotland this year. We're not going to D.C. to do the Army 10 miler. And I was literally heartbroken. I was crying like when they told us because I wanted to go to D.C. I didn't want to go to Scotland like, you know, and looking back at it, it's so silly and so stupid. Like who doesn't want to go to Scotland? But like if you have that attitude, especially every time you move, um, every time you travel, it's like you're really going to miss out on a lot. And that's that's hard. And that's the hard truth that a lot of kids struggle with because, you know, it's hard to leave your friends. It's hard to leave, you know, a tradition or hard to leave like something that you feel home in. And it's hard to go, you know, experience something, even if it's for just a short period of time and then go back to, you know, whatever reality might be. Yeah. You're leaving your entire world behind. Yeah. Everybody, you know, and everything you love, is behind. And so um, I think a lot of times we give the adults freedom to say however they feel about a relocation, PCS, you know, deployment, whatever, but kids don't have that same freedom. And, and that's, that's the sad part. So what I, what I try to do with the book is make it a conversation tool for parents and teachers. And so, you know, I got to brag a little bit, NPR featured it and Stars and Stripes and Military Families Magazine. And what I like most, not just because they featured it, because they saw the value in it being a conversation tool for parents. Like prepare the kids for PCS, prepare them for moving. Talk about how they feel so you can really reduce that time in which they hate it here. It stinks. I don't want to be here. And I remember talking about the sulfur in the air and how much I didn't like the way it smelled. Not realizing that sulfur is a rich, 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 rich deposit in Italy. And it took me a little time to appreciate the fact that the soil is better because of that. Yeah. And it's it takes 
It's hard taking a child from something they're so used to, even if they're there for only a year. You know, I remember like my years as a child seem so much longer than they are as an adult. Like time just flies. Like I'm like, it's already November, like, you know, but like my years as a child just seemed so much longer. So a year somewhere is like, you know, 10 years now. It's like, it just, time moved so slow. And so moving from one spot to another, it's like you're taking up your whole life. And as a child, it's like, how am I even supposed to do this? How am I supposed to move? How how does this work? How How do I even make new friends? How do I, you know, learn a new language? You know, whatever the case may be, it's always like, how do I do this? How How does this work? What is this like? Yeah, what's it supposed to look like, right? Because yeah. they have, um, I think we've come a long way in the military community where, you know, there's always a sponsor that's for the, service member to get acclimated. Sometimes the family meets them. And the book talks about that as well, that process. And now it's blossomed where the spouse has a sponsor too. What I want to see, and if it already has it, somebody reach out to me and tell me yes, (laughs) but we need kid sponsors. Because something that um, I used to do, at least in high school, I don't know if our guidance counselor would just make me this person, or if there was like a whole group of us, but People that were more popular, what they would have us do is when somebody was new, to go befriend them. Sit down with them, invite them to sit at your table at lunch. And I remember doing this in Vizbon. We'd invite them to sit at our table at lunch, laugh and joke with them, get to know them a little bit more, you know, show them where the shop is on base, the shop head, or show them where the PXBX is, which is like the clothing store. Yes. Show them where the, the theater was and the cool hangout spots, right? You know, like where you shop and things like that. So you got to spend a little time with them so they felt a little bit better about knowing someone. And yes, it was like our our mini job, but you actually grew to like these people because you realized you had this experience and someone didn't do it for you. I'm just kind of a natural extrovert. Yeah. And so it made it easier for them to meet me because I'm like, hey, she's sitting with us. Yeah. Y'all, this is our new friend. And then a couple months later, now they start to have their own friends and they do this for someone else. So like each one, teach one. Yeah, I want to see more of that in our school system. I agree. Like, so when I moved to Texas, I had um, one of my friends meet me in the office. I don't even know what the specific room was, but she met me there and then she showed me around the school. But it's really, it was just in the school it wasn't outside the school. Like, we didn't get to do – I mean, and it we could have. Like, we did hang out outside of school every once in a while. But, you know, it's not the – you don't feel obligated to do that. And so the following year, two years later, I got to be that for someone else. And my um, English teacher – you know, I was – I'm always, like – I'm so nerdy that I'm just like, you know, friends with the teachers and stuff like that. (laughs) Even now in my college years, I'm the same way. Um, But, you know, she was like, you know, Gracie, come here. Like, this is, you know, so-and-so. She's new here. Like, show her around and be friends with her and, you know, introduce her to your friends. And she ended up being one of my best friends that year. And the funny thing is, is her younger sister was in my sister's class. And so they were friends then too. And so I came home that day and I was like, I just met a new friend. They just moved here, blah, blah, blah. And my sister was like, I know her sister. And so it's like, it's incredible to have those experiences, but I don't think there's enough of them. Yeah. I I love how you do that as well. Um, So we did that, you know, like maybe we were just, you know, and I I think nerd is a term of endearment like yes if you're listening and you're offended by the word nerd you shouldn't be nerds rule the world yes <laughs> they are like creating processes and making easier innovating paths like we are literally changing the world so it's a good thing embrace it like, yes. embrace it embrace it but what i will say is um you guys became like all family friends and yeah. we did that too like some of my older sister's friends are my friends too like that was her friend but they're my friends, too, because we're all, you know, a lot of times when you're moving until you have your own friends, all you have is your siblings. Right. Exactly. And so you make friends with their friends. And so like your sister and, and her sibling, 
our friends. And now the four of you can hang out. Exactly. Because a lot of times you got to take your younger sibling anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I would take my little sister. And then I realized my friend's sister, my friend also had a sister. And so it's like, okay, now all of us can hang out. So they get to do their own thing while we all hang out together. And that just makes it even easier for the families to, you know, go somewhere else. And so I love that part. Now there's more community that we just had to build on our own. Now it's intentional. People are using Facebook and Instagram and TikTok to say, hey, I'm here in the world. Where are you? And so I have a friend that happens to be in the area where my sister just moved. They moved um, overseas to Germany and moved back. And I was like, hey, can you just over there? Go check her out. You know, and, yeah. and they're not in the exact same area, but they will be intentional to go find her because they know me, you know. And just like that, make another friend. And like you did, help somebody's transition a little bit easier because, you know, just because you know somebody. So I always crack the joke with my nieces and nephews. I was like, you'll never go anywhere. And Auntie Shemaine doesn't know somebody there. And it's a joke because I don't <laughs> know everybody. Yeah. But my um, my oldest niece said, her teacher said she knew somebody named Shemaine. And I was like, well, you know, maybe it's a common name. And you realize she went to college with me. Wow. And she was like, you do know somebody. And I was like, I mean, it just happened, happened that way. But yeah. Small world because the community is very small. And as we're all embracing each other, it just makes life a little bit easier. So she can feel like I'm there with her because she knows someone else that I know. Yeah. And those, those little things just help. And it helps those transitions. Yeah, it does. It does. So what made you want to start writing books and start being coming an author? Um, I have been writing as long as I can remember. So I want to say I was probably like nine, eight, nine years old when I started writing a lot more. And just based off of something I saw on the news and I was like, I'm going to, it was a writing contest. I was like, I'm going to write about it. And, and I won like third place in it. And it was wow. exciting. It's yeah. Third place, but you know, it's still exciting. It's very exciting. I got a little picture where I got an award for, you know, you're wearing the big poofy dress that they put on you because apparently that was a thing at the time. The <laughs> and I have that. And it was just kind of a gift that I've always had, but I didn't think much about it. I write a lot in different journals and I just stack them on the side. But during quarantine, where nobody could go anywhere, you know, that first part of quarantine, I said, I've got to do something else. I'm going to write. I'm going to write. And so I went back, found journals. And I started to think of, they said the lowest hanging fruit when you're writing is to write your own experience, write your own story. I started to write my part of my own story. And I was like, wait a minute, this is the one thing nobody ever believes is a real thing if you live near the volcano. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to write a story about this PCS here. And then I'm going to kind of simplify the words so it comes from a child's perspective. A lot of the material that I see for um military communities is written by the adults from the adult's perspective. It's not written from a child's perspective where they get to really experience the highs and the lows emotionally and socially from PTSing. And I said, I want to talk about that because nobody's talking about that. And it just kind of blossomed. I had a few kid readers. Um, I was like, can you kid read this? Tell me what they think about it. Like right in that seven to 10 year old range. And I was like, if they, just tell them to say it's, it's, they like it or it stinks. Like yeah. I just needed one of the other votes. If they say it stinks, tell me why. You said it stinks. Right. So I was like, let me go back to the drawing. <laughs> and just kind of refined, got someone to edit and decided, I'm going to publish it. I said, yeah, I feel good about this story yeah. and how it can help others. Yeah. And it's so important, like, to get that child's perspective. And, you know, there are adults that ha can write phenomenal books and, you know, write it from the adult perspective or even bring it down to the child's perspective. But it's so different when a military child writes a book about military children moving. So not only military children can understand that, but so, you know, everyone can understand that little piece. And so... Whatever the case may be, it's, it feels more personal because it's coming, you know, from you who's experienced that, who's lived through that, who's, you know, had those hard times, have those good times. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's like when you're watching a TV show and you're like, that wouldn't really happen. Exactly. <laughs> you know that the writer is not, that's not their authentic story. Exactly. But um, what I wanted to do with the book is just be really intentional about the experience of leaving school, of going to the hotel, of having to wear the same few things, you know, or the heartbreak when something of yours is lost or broken or stolen because that happens. Yeah. And I said, if you're going to tell a story, it's got to be real. No one wants to read fluff. Nobody wants to, to just put something out there for the sake of it being out there. It needs to be able to help somebody. And so um, I have to say the real reason I wrote it is the book that I wanted as a kid. Those books did not exist in my time. Yeah. But some of them exist now. And I said, I'm going to keep putting this out there. I'm going to talk more about these things. The next one we'll talk about a parent who's experienced PTSD. Like the kid still goes through that too. And nobody talks about that. Yeah. Like, why are they just angry all the time? What in the world? Like, I you know. don't know. And I'm going to talk about it from a kid's perspective because that's a reality in our world that is not discussed enough outside of um, some therapy sessions. But why not bring it in a book, create some meaningful conversation around it and help? Because it's, I mean, we experience it too. Yeah. Whatever, you know, the service member goes through, it just trickles down to the rest of the family. And it, at times it can seem so hard and so stressful, but it's really just, it's just what happens. It's the life of the military. And as kids, we don't get to choose that. And, you know, sometimes it's great and sometimes we love those experiences, but then sometimes it's like, this sucks. Like, you know, like, get, let's keep going and move on. But it's really just our life. It's our journey. And it's just incredible of what these kids go through. You know, I have a different story than most kids do. My dad was injured. So it was like, you know, everyone has those different stories and those different, you know, experiences. And it's just so incredible to see the resilience in each military child and each child that comes through and each family member. That's true. That's why I made sure I made the dedication to the book about, you know, honoring our thoughts, experiences, and our feelings because you don't choose this lifestyle. It kind of shows us we're born into it. But at the same time, the way you feel should be validated because you're, you're doing all of these things because you're a soldier too. It's just you're not recognized as such. So I'm proud to see that, um, you know, Month of the Military Child is more popular now. They said it started in 86. But I never heard about it. You know? <laughs> I never heard about the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> never heard about it in the 2000s. Like, I hear more about it now. So I think there's this overwhelming support for the entire family because they're all serving and just honoring those experiences. And I said, yeah, I like that. Um, even President Biden for November has now named this as National Military Family Month. And I think it's so powerful because we don't always honor the experiences of the spouse, of the kids. We just see the service member and then everybody else is there. Well, we're not just there. Your job is just as important as theirs. And if you're not doing well, it affects them. If they're not doing well, like you said, we got to deal with that too. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't get to talk to anybody about it. Yeah. It's the military life isn't easy, but it is one of the best lives ever. Like I would not yeah. trade it for the world. I wouldn't change it either. Like it made me who I am. And, you know, you have, you build strong in instincts very young. Yeah. And I, can, I can't always tell when something is right, but I know when something is wrong around me. I'm just like, something is off. This area doesn't feel right. I don't feel safe. Like, I need to leave this area. You quickly learn those instincts that I don't know how we pick up these skills, but you do at a very young age where you know how to take care of yourself. Yeah. And so while you crave community, you want to build relationships, you realize that you've got to take care of yourself. That is part of your thing. So like self-care, you create your own bridges to get over the things that you're dealing with. You know, is it ever fixed? No, but you find ways to continue your resilience, to support yourself and family just day to day. Yeah. What advice would you give to a military child? I would say um, the same thing I would say to my seven-year-old self. You're going to be fine. You know, write your experiences and then look back at them and kind of smile because the day you first arrive at a location – you're exhausted. 
this place looks different. You're probably jet lagged. Yeah. You can't call your friends yet because your phone's not charged or whatever's <laughs> happening. Write all of that down. And then maybe in six months, write down how you feel again and compare the two because it's not the same. You're going to be able to honor the experience differently. So just enjoy the moment. Recognize that there are so many people just like you that are going through the same thing. That's not to minimize your experience. That's to make you feel as though there is a community because there is, even if we're a bit older, we get it. And more importantly, find books to help you to talk about it, to travel in a great book. And they say, you know what? This person gets it. Let me reach out to them and see how did they get through it? Cause it's not easy. You're, you know, you're on a school bus with armed guards in Turkey. Like when I tell my friends that they're like, what? <laughs> but that was a real experience, yeah. you know? And they're like, really? You know, and, and just kind of like you said, find ways to talk about how you feel. Don't keep it inside because everyone else is going through it as well. Right. Yeah. I think that's so important. Thank you so much for being on and sharing your stories and your journey and what you've been through. Um, where can people find your books and learn more? Oh, um, so people can find me on, and I created a domain just for this. Okay. They can find me on books for military families.com. So books with an S for military families.com. I would love if people would reach out to me and my socials are connected on there as well, but if they will reach out to me, let's talk. Like, let's create some community around our experiences. And tell me if you want me to read to your students. If you want me to talk with your kids. Like, we can create whatever you want now because the world is so small. And we're able to do this through things like Zoom and Anchor and social media where we can all talk and help them. So let me know how I can support what you're doing. But just reach out to me. Booksformilitaryfamilies.com. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Grace of Military Child podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to follow, like, share, subscribe, review, and comment. You can also follow us at Grace of a Military Child podcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more podcast-related content. If you or someone you know is a military child who would like to be on the podcast, please send us a message to one of our social media platforms, or you can send an email to grace.of.a.military.child at gmail.com. Tune in next Thursday to hear another incredible journey.